today on CityCast Denver. Did Heidi Canal's campaign get caught trolling on Twitter? Is former certified Trump bonehead Stephen Miller trying to influence our vote? Have you even voted yet? Are you going to? Producer Paul Caroli and our state politics correspondent Justine Sandoval join me today to discuss next week's midterm election. Today is Friday, November 4th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Bean burrito with cheese, chili, and chicharra. We always had a joke, when you get a crunchy chicharron in your burrito, that means it had legs. <laughs> Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city that is one week away from Christmas music on the radio. That's right. Cozy 101 will be going all Christmas, all the time, starting November 11th. And if you can't tell by the sound of my voice, I am so stoked for this. Paul, do you have a favorite Christmas song? No, no. I don't really like Christmas music. And Rude. Justine, I'm glad you're here because earlier when it was just me and Peyton and Bree, Peyton, our newsletter writer, of course, um, they were both just going crazy about this Christmas music, complaining why it's not starting earlier. And I felt like... <laughs> How do you feel, Justine? I didn't... No, I am on your side. Thank oh, you. I Thank am you. not Haters. the biggest Christmas fan. <laughs> I know. And I'm like... Get anxiety because Christmas comes earlier and earlier every year. This is how I feel about Halloween. No. (laughs) I've never been a fan of like fall or anything growing up too because it was always when he had to go back to school. Mm. And ever since I was a child, I never really enjoyed going to school. So (laughs) it's all that kind of folds into one. One big ball of anxiety and like Christmas time is just like the worst of it all to me. So yes, not a fan of Christmas music and Christmas shoved down our throats every well, since no one asked me, um, uh, go on. Please. My favorite Christmas song is Wham's Last Christmas because I will be a George Michael fangirl till I die. What did you think about that movie that used that song for the title and they made like the whole premise of the movie around it? You know what I'm talking about? What? I'm... Have you heard about this? No. Do you know about this, Justine? No, I've never heard of this. There's a movie they made with like, um, I think the the woman from Game of Thrones, the blonde woman, and Game um, of Thorns, as my husband calls it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great, clearly okay. up to date on it. <laughs> um, but they made this rom com, and they called it Last Christmas. And as everybody knows, the next line in that song is "I gave you my heart." The very and next day, you threw it away. Very, you yeah, gave it so away. I'm sorry. The premise of the movie is uh, the leading lady gets a heart, heart transplant. transplant. No. And falls in love with the man who is, was the donor somehow. Wait, did I watch this? <laughs> I know. I, like, I feel like I watched watch this with my mom. It sounds a little too intense to be like a Hallmark movie, but it does have that feeling. I don't know about this. makes me, this Isn't feels like it's really taking away from the beauty that is Wham's Last Christmas, which is, it's a, it's a melancholy, heartbreaking Christmas mm-hmm. song um, saying, by George Michael when he was still in the closet. Just, I mean, he's he's gorgeous no matter what. I just love that video so much. It's so sweet. Because um, you get to see him, like, give eyes to this lady, even though you know you're like, he's totally not interested in this lady. <laughs> but it's just, also, he's just a beautiful singer. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't like that connection to it. it. It stands alone in my mind as a piece of George Michael's hmm. beautiful history as a one of the most talented musicians of all time. Anyway, 
Sure, we could let that pass and keep going. And talk about it. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on. It's Friday. We're in the Lindy Zimmer studio at Westward. Uh, Justine Sandoval, political pundit, CityCast Denver state politics correspondent, our, our regular uh, green chili correspondent as well. Welcome back. Thank you. And I have my producer, Paul Caroli here. Hey, Marie. Hey, Justine. No. So we're going to switch gears to something less fun and definitely more stressful. <laughs> Justine looks like she's about to cry. We're talking elections because our uh, our elections are next week. Everyone should have gotten their ballots already. So for many folks, I know they fill them out early, as our friend, clerk and recorder Paul Lopez has requested folks do. But I, for one, am sitting on my ballot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justine, have you filled yours out? No. And <laughs> it's so bad that I don't do it early. And it's funny because... You work oh. in this biz. I know. I will sit on mine till the very last minute always. Um, and I'll get calls from people who are doing like ballot chasing. And they'll call me to scold me. Like, why are you on this list? Because I know, I know I it's like, like the list of people who haven't turned it in. I'm like, I know, I know. It's just... I'm doing all the other election things, you know? It's like a procrastination thing. I don't know. Uh, Paul, I know you've already signed, sealed, done. I have. I have. My wife convinced me that we should do it earlier. This is an ongoing conversation between us. Normally, I'm a last minute person because you never know what's going to happen. But yeah, she used to work in elections and she's always like, vote early. It's it actually really helps. Um, And this year we did. Good for you. Justine and I are out here being the world's worst voters. So. Oh, it's still sitting on the counter. I haven't dropped it off yet. <laughs> I, I have filled it I'm out, waiting though. for our friend Clerk Lopez to come by our houses and be like, what are you girls doing? I opened Fill out your- yesterday. <laughs> finally opened it. See, we're going, we're going step by step. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Justine, we wanted to have you on the show today because this is your, this is your thing. You are in politics. <laughs> and I wonder, for this midterm in particular, is there anything that feels different compared to other elections that you've been close to? Wow. Yes, I chose the election life, so I've always got to remind myself, like, you picked this. This is what you decided <laughs> to do with your life. So... You know, you're passionate. The best at it. I want to be fair. You're passionate about it as much as it's anxiety producing and stress causing. You're passionate yeah, about politics. That's where the stress comes from because, you know, elections really are important and it really shapes what we're going to do, you know, after November 8th, what the country is going to look like and where we go from here. Um, one thing about this election, this midterm in particular, that's not like other midterms is we're in a post Trump. A presidency sure. mm-hmm. and a presidency that ended with an attempted at insurrection on the United States Capitol. That's um, yeah. good context. Democracy's on the ballot. Democracy. Uh, you know, this whole um, election conspiracy theory was birthed out of that. So yeah. we're looking at an election after 2020 that the landscape looks a lot different post-Trump. Do you think that means it's more? Im- I mean, I know it's always important to vote, right? We could argue that. But um is this especially important for folks that are maybe thinking, I'm just not, I'm going to sit this one out? Oh, yeah. Right now, like, you know, Paul was saying, democracy is on the line. And the you know biggest tool we have as uh, citizens is to be able to exercise the right to vote. So if less people vote, then we're going backwards in this and experiment less people make of democracy. for more of us. Exactly. And um, this campaign of disinformation and telling people that their vote's not being counted. Um, it's pushing, it really Voter is having an impact. at the polls, at ballot boxes. I'm thinking about the Dominion voting systems conversation we had and uh, Joe Oltman's mm-hmm. encouraging Oltman. folks to go to... Uh, 
He's his thing is like if you really want to make sure your vote counts, you have to show up at a polling place, give them your ballot, and say, "I would like a fresh one, and I would like to talk to your manager." And that, it's the, like a script. Even yeah. though the ballot you get has your name on it, yeah, like it couldn't be more clear that it's for why you. Uh, well, Paul, what did, what did you what do you think about, or what do you mean when you say like you know, democracy's on the ballot, democracy's on the line? Well, I mean, it's it's this stuff about the insurrection, really, and the, and the people who here are are very much very much still believe in that big lie. Yeah. And so, when you don't trust the system, when you don't trust the elections, and like a lot of people, and it's not just like far right people who don't trust the system right now. Um, a lot of people don't, but when when there's that much distrust and there's that much like. I don't know. That's just like what we are as a country is people who all submit to the same system and decide that this is how we allocate resources and power and like agree to live next door to each other. So if we don't do this together. It's kind of goes counter to everything that is we're supposed to this country is supposed to be about. Right. I don't know. Maybe it's a symptom. I, I get so wrapped up in <laughs> politics is like it's like it's the most confusing thing, like wading through this messaging. Everything leads to another thing. And it's it's also abstract. Justine, how do you how do you f- like figure out what matters here? Without just losing your mind and yeah. being like, why are people <laughs> believing this garbage? Well, I think yeah, that's what's so anxiety inducing for me is, yeah, it is just like it becomes this big ball of chaos. Basically, you're trying to sort through and what's real, what's not real, you know, numbers are being thrown at you, percentages of crime rates and all of these things. And, you know, it's been harder and harder to decipher, like, what is truth, what is fact. And so for me, I think um, looking at the bigger picture, like, what are we trying to achieve policy wise and who we're electing to get those things done and just kind of hyper focus on. That. Yeah. Like. And abortion is a good example of that right now. And I think that's another thing that's changed this midterm is, you know, the right to abortion has been taken away after 50 years. And it's now people are that's going to be a factor um, this election. Well, and I think it's important to say, okay, so that that uh, decision came down. But then it's like a domino effect. Right. We're looking at states all over the country who are maybe passing individual um, things that are chipping away further and further. So it doesn't just stop there. Like, oh, yeah. The fight doesn't stop there. Well, we got into this position that we're in now with abortion rights because of prior elections in states where they created these anti-abortion laws state by state. Good they were able to take it to the Supreme Court. And now, you know, because of the consequence of the Trump election, uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned. So we're going to see now people are going to really think forward to what happens if you elect an anti-choice majority. It's going to continue um, these restrictions across the country. So that's something I think people are looking for. Like at, through all the chaos, mm-hmm. you're like, what's the end goal? Well, we've got to protect reproductive rights. So people- so even though it's not on our ballot here in Colorado, we're still looking at candidates that could be pushing that agenda. So it's still an issue whether we're voting on abortion access or not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you see that in Colorado, like in the years that I worked on abortion rights in this state, people vote across party lines when it comes to supporting abortion rights here in Colorado. And that's why I kind of find it funny when I see a lot of, I call them the Joe bros, like the Joe Day people, (laughs) when they're breaking down like whether or not they're going to like get all these unaffiliated independent voters. I'm like, 
you have not been clear on the abortion stance and people I think are going to make decisions based on issues on that, like that on how, in the on end. how these candidates stand. Hmm. Yeah. Justine, what are the other like big substantial issues on the ballot that people might not like be reading in the ballot measures? Like what else is key here that, from your perspective? You know, so right now, of course, the economy, everyone. And I think that's been yes. the, the, um, key debate here between Republicans and Democrats. A lot of Republicans are like, yeah, the economy is the most important thing that we should be talking about. And I, it does. It impacts everybody. Um, we fill it at the grocery store. We're filling it at the gas pump everywhere we go. But this is like a nationwide issue. And I think when we really break it down, if there's no one to blame. <laughs> You know, capitalism, I guess, the economy, the pandemic, too. <laughs> the pandemic, all these other like factors that have nothing to really do with like political ideology. It's just the way things have worked out in the last. But you know, it gets four years. used as this like political football in some sense, because you can blame it on the yeah. candidate you're against. Right. I mean, I see that a lot with Polis or there's like these billboards. I saw it on my way to, on I-70 one day. That's like, uh, Polis and Biden are the reason the economy sucks. And like, that's all the billboard says. And I'm like, okay. Yes, I saw those on federal. I thought they were so funny. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Doesn't, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, one yeah, one thing about Polis and the economy, I when he was rolling out his budget earlier this week, that's I right. thought this was really interesting, Justine. I want to hear what you think about it. I, I would never have predicted that he would be so uh, openly pessimistic about the economy a week before an election where he's an incumbent governor. Cause he was like, um, we need this rainy day fund of like $2 billion because we're looking at a downturn. Like everybody next year is going to be rough. Like, shouldn't he be, or is he just so confident that he's going to crush them all or like <laughs> what, what's happening here? Well, I think governor Polis, you know, he goes off on and says what he feels in the moment a lot of times. Hmm. And so I think that there probably is messaging, but, you know, Polis does his own thing. Um, but also, yeah, he has to feel confident because I definitely think that, you know, he has this race in the bag right now in Colorado. Yeah. What did the polls say? Like 14 points up on Ganahl? Yeah, he he's definitely I can't even. I know that's not close, but I can't even believe it's that close. Like, I just don't understand how she is making any inroads yeah i always think that too because they're like oh there's 14 points like that's huge in the polling world yeah. mm -hmm. but to me i'm like well that's not that much <laughs> like you want to like be more in your head because you just see like the difference and the janal campaign has been terrible like i was gonna say do you think the ganals had a chance at all um you know i think she could have but just, you know, from my years in campaign work, and uh, you'll ask a lot of people who've worked in campaigns, it's a very terribly ran campaign. What did she you know? do wrong? I mean, from the com a comms point, mm -hmm. a messaging standpoint, you know, it's just not been clear. I think she's doubled down on a lot of like her weird uh, points. Yeah. Republican conspiracy theories that they're actually not hers. Those are like national talking points, like the whole Kids identifying as cats, yeah. furries right. thing has been something we've heard all over the country from different Republican candidates. Um, but doubling down on stuff like that here in Colorado, not going to work for you. Um, the whole, you know, even getting caught <laughs> with our comms team and their oh, the burner account. The oh, tweet, the Twitter, Twitter yeah. burner accounts. Yeah. Which I'm 
pretty sure that's not her. But, but it's someone on her team working on her behalf. Totally. And if someone who's managed the Twitter account or a Facebook account for a candidate, you know you have access to both. And that's something that you have to be so... <laughs> So for folks Cautious. that don't know, so Kyle Clark had, I think it was Kyle Clark, or maybe it was Marshall Zellinger. It one was Kyle. The, was it Kyle? Uh, one of our friends at Nine News caught, you can see when someone has switched accounts on Twitter, and if you have a burner account or a fake account that you use to troll people or whatever you use it for, someone in Heidi's camp got caught doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, did they ever respond? Um, it was a really weak response. It was like, well... Heidi had taken a screenshot and sent it around to supporters and then the one of the supporters who runs that account right, had right. posted it. Or they don't know. They didn't even claim that. They said they don't know how they got that. Hmm. But <laughs> you got to be careful on the internet because if you're in a position of power or you're, or you're seeking power, people are watching you every day and tracking every move you make online. People have been watching that burner account for months. Oh, yeah. So. Hmm. And it's a, a good lesson about screenshots. Crop your screenshots. Yeah. Make them look Crop nice. Crop the information out yeah. so people don't no know what you're doing. No one wants to see your dead battery <laughs> or that you were up at 1 a.m. Doing this. What if you're Do really this. proud of your full battery? Well, I mean, but then you really should show up at 2 a.m. <laughs> being on Twitter, being trolling the internet. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay, well, I want to get to to some messaging um, parts, aspects of this election. And Justine, I, I wanted to talk to you about this ho these horrible anti-trans mailers that went out to some Spanish-speaking households last month, or assumed. Spanish-speaking yes. households. I think that that's really important. Um, so you brought some of these flyers in because you yourself got one of these anti-trans mailers in Spanish. Tell me, tell me about this. Yeah, I actually got both. There were two that went around, and I got them both. And I, every single Latino I know, or anyone with like a Spanish Hispanic last name, got one, which is really interesting because I myself do not speak Spanish, but I've got both of these mailers in Spanish, and so did every other person I know who got them they were all in Spanish hmm. um, and from a friend of mine who speaks Spanish fluently said that it sounds like they were written by a robot <laughs> because the Spanish is like so bad can like, I see these I haven't seen yeah. these you, you all keep going but so, I want to look at these um, one thing that's really interesting about them is if you know anything about like mailers that go out every election um, they're expensive they're a big chunk of a uh, campaign's budget so you can kind of tell how much money a campaign has depending on how many mailers you get or the timing of when they come out to you and so these actually were sent out by um a national special interest group called american first legal foundation and it's ran by stephen miller who was famously one of trump's aides and uh the guy who came up with the whole separating children from their parents at the border yeah um, he ran so immigration for trump so uh, real yeah real just real quality old school, character guy old school racist yeah, just a really goon. A, a goon, a total goon. But he's so he's his organization is paying for flyers in Colorado that are targeting what they assume to be Spanish speaking households with anti trans messaging. And but it's not about any particular candidate or any particular issue. It's like legit fear mongering. Yeah, it's attack on Biden. So ultimately attack on Democrats overall. But these went out in several states. Um, oh. And in English as well, because I hmm. uh, really did some research as soon as I got this. Like, what is this garbage? And um, 
you know, I found that they were sending them out. I forgot what other states. I think Michigan was Arizona, one of them. I'm Arizona. Sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they were also in English. But the fact that they blanketly sent this to basically every registered voter with a Hispanic last name means this costs a lot of money. And they just like kind of you know, just bombard everyone. And if you speak Spanish or not, they just sent it to all of us. So here we have this mailer that's, you know, steeped in this messaging that I think a lot of Republicans have latched onto nationally as this anti-trans messaging, including, you know, campaigns here like Heidi Ganell's that this is very anti-trans. Of genital mutilation by doctors. And, you know, it, they've twisted the idea of gender affirming care into this total horror story scenario, which is not true at all. I, but what I found interesting is, A, Stephen Miller's interested in our elections. Okay. Um, and two, um, a lot of assumptions are being made here about what we've talked to you about earlier uh, this year, which is the Latino vote. Exactly. How did you feel about this targeting? Like, what did you think when you got this as a person with a Spanish last, a Hispanic last name who doesn't speak Spanish? Yeah. Well, you know, it's this idea, too, that Hispanics are a monolith, yeah. that they <laughs> vote a one big block. But actually, I think this is a smart way to target because you have like Latino voters who may be on the fence or because we don't vote as a block or not right. a monolith, they're just mass targeting and hoping they could pick up whoever they can. And so I think that's the tactic here hmm. because they know that Latinos don't vote as a monolith. So they're able to capture whoever this might be somebody that could be but swayed. You made a great point, which is, you know, you've talked to friends who who speak Spanish and said the language they use in here was like spit out by a robot. So like, I don't know, a voter would be like, who is the, what are, why are they talking to me like this? Totally. And it could backfire too, because a lot of the Latino community has brought that up. A Spanish speaking community has brought up the fact that, you know, there has been a lack of buy-in to like uh, Spanish media and so now they are, but they're not doing a great job either. So it's like both parties. If you're going to reach out to Spanish speaking voters, then do it right. Like spend the money. You spent all of the money and sent like these millions of dollars worth of flyers. Like get somebody who speaks Spanish like a human. And <laughs> target people. Maybe and that got- goes for Dems too, because Dems do the Fair. same thing. Hmm. They send out these mailers and my friends are like, why did you let your party send out this garbage? Because like, it's not just Spanish. direct translation, right? This is with any language. There's nuance. There's, oh, know, yeah. there's ways we use words. There's things that just signal, this is not speaking to me or it's speaking to me in a demeaning way almost. Yes. Hmm. And so that's, yeah, that's, Still, both parties have a lot to work on moving forward <laughs> with Spanish speaking voters, and we'll see what happens in the future. But yeah, this do you, is. Do you think that these flyers will have an impact on uh, Spanish speaking voters? You know, I don't know. I hope not. Yeah, but I, I don't really think don't so. know. I think. I think if people I'm, are too smart for yeah, this. Yeah, like, yeah. It feels so ridiculous. Like if I got this, I'd be like, come. Come on. They are, they're just, and they're really nasty. They're just yeah, like, they are nasty. Uh, one of them is just like Joe Biden basically wants men to be able to go into your daughter's bathroom, the girl's bathroom in K through 12 schools. Say, I, I don't know Spanish show. No, I but you can also <laughs> yeah. just infer from the imagery here is they've got this darkened photo of a public restroom. There's a child washing her hands in there. What looks to be an older man entering the bathroom. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, 
it's just pure propaganda. Yeah, I know. And voters are smarter than this. You're mm-hmm. right. People aren't going to fall for this. And especially so late in the election, too. In my 20 years in politics, I still <laughs> believe that people do not, they're not undecided voters. There are very few undecided voters at the very end of an election. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people have made up their minds. And I think that we always chase the undecided voter, but... I don't think that they really exist like we think that they do. (laughs) Interesting. I like that point, too, though, between undecided and unaffiliated. We have a lot of unaffiliated voters here, myself included, but that doesn't mean that I'm undecided. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So there's a lot on this year's ballot. And I'm wondering, Justine, are there any statewide issues or measures that you're watching in particular? Um, the one that I've been like following or watching that I just think is probably the most important one to me and maybe not to everyone overall, but free lunch for yeah. kids in school. Mm-hmm. I think that's like just something that we could all get behind and agree on and You know, some people might want to call it socialism or whatever, but feed the kids, damn it. Feed every kid. Well, (laughs) in proposition, so it's Proposition FF, which is Healthy School Meals for All. And I think where the the tension comes from with this one is it's taxing folks who make $300,000 or more to fund this school uh, food program. So we're asking folks that make a lot of money compared to a lot of the rest of the population to to help out i mean it's kind of a redistribution of wealth situation here but paul you're what are you thinking your face oh no i i I agree i think that's the most interesting part of it is that it's you know asking rich people to pay for our kids to eat better in school it seems like it's gonna pass to me although it does have that big Tabor price tag at the top oh yeah it's what is like a hundred million dollars or something is the first line i read I was reading that and I was shocked when I saw the the kind of like, oh, that's a lot. But like, this is one of those measures where that is really glaring. Yeah. But it doesn't have anything to do with it. The actual like content. Oh, it's just know. at the top of in the actual ballot language. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tabor, the Taxpayers Bill of Rights, uh-huh. the nineteen ninety two bill that has messed up our tax system <laughs> I, in a bunch of different ways. But isn't that a requirement of it that when when there's a new tax on the ballot, it has to feature the total price oh, tag in yeah. the very first line? It's the fiscal note on it. Fiscal yeah, what is note. it called? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You have to and yeah, that's part of it too, because you can't raise taxes without a vote of the people in Colorado. So they have to know what they're paying for. And but you know, it goes along too with like the child tax credit. These are things that helped working class families. And you'll talk to parents all over the state who, you know, don't qualify for free lunch, but, but still, still also struggle, you, yeah. you know, trying to pay lunch fees for their children. Um and it's expensive. It's totally. And you know, you want to make sure kids are being fed in school, they're going to school, they need to be able to have access to food, nutritious meals. And this is going to help working class families out across the board in Colorado. That's amazing. Um, I I do want to talk about Bennett versus O'Day. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe because That's an interesting it's the one. most entertaining mm-hmm. of the races. Paul, how do you feel about this race? These guys, I watched the debate last week. Oh. The They had it on Nine News. Well, I watched two thirds of it. It is crazy how much these two guys are similar to each other. What? They seem to have the same mannerisms and way of speech. They have different ideas, of course, but it was like it was like that old Futurama episode, you know, with the 
it's this great scene. I don't know why it's stuck in my head, but it's there's two candidates. I think it's Jack Johnson and John Jackson, but they're arguing very vociferously in the exact same way. It's time someone had the courage to stand up and say, I'm against those things that everybody hates. Now I respect my opponent. I think he's a good man, but quite frankly, I agree with everything he just said. Really, they're just very similar people. I hate to break it to you, Paul, but there's a lot of white dads in their 50s (laughs) in politics in this country. (laughs) Yep, there sure are. Justine, what are you thinking or looking at in this race? Well, it's interesting. Um, Joe O'Day has been backed into a corner in a lot of ways. And here's this candidate who's trying to pull himself out of like the mega (laughs) world. But I think that can work against him with a lot of like Trump Republicans in the state. So, you know, you have Democrats saying he is like this mega candidate, this Trump candidate. But then you have Trump rejecting him nationally. Yeah, calling him a rhino. Yeah. And so he's kind of like on this island alone by himself. And <laughs> it's been interesting to watch that unfold as the election goes. Do you think that's going to hurt him? Oh, yeah, Definitely. Um, you know, and overall, like there isn't a lot of difference, like when you look at the two candidates, like you were saying, you know, but um, I think overall, Bennett just he hasn't done a bad job. He's done a, a job that people are happy with throughout sure. the state. And he's, you know, worked on a lot of issues statewide that I think people are are fine with keeping him and not taking the risk with. He's a known quantity. Yeah. yeah. With a Joe O'Day, who's someone new that we don't know, and especially, again, abortion. I was just going to say, I feel like abortion is, again, a subtle subtext of this this particular race. Oh, yeah. And they keep bringing, and that has been one of the issues, too, that they keep bringing up is, you know, he's, you know, support the judge, supported the judges that overturned Roe, and he's anti-choice. And, you know, these things went missing from his website because he was very much, you know, not where he is now on abortion now that we know that the messaging so he's changed he's changed throughout his own campaign oh yeah and i think that he's never found a true identity that one like voting Hmm. block can get behind and say yeah that's our guy i get that Hmm. you know what i learned about oday today he's a big law and order guy he's like uh he he's the son of a denver beat cop oh boy yeah he has that on his website he's like i mean that works for some people well, that's the messaging too across yeah. the country, law and order. And yeah. that's the other thing that the uh, Colorado Republicans really latched on to this national messaging of the law and order, the crime um, wave, crime that, wave, yeah. fentanyl, um, ca- ending cash bail, all of that stuff. And it's not really worked here in Colorado the way that I think that they thought it would. And like O'Day has been on this whole border thing. Like we went down to the border and we need to secure the border because that's how fentanyl's getting here. And it's like that message doesn't really click with Coloradans because we're not a border state. Although <laughs> <laughs> it was so interesting when O'Day brought that, that up in the about debate. about our geography, yeah. Joe. I'm like, that's New Mexico. That's not Mexico. I think you read the map wrong. <laughs> I, I was shocked when he brought that up in the debate last week. But then. Also, I found very typical of the whole race. Michael Bennett's response was, well, eight years ago, I was on the gang of eight in the Senate that created this path to citizenship bill that didn't go anywhere. But hit Joe O'Day's obsession with this like irrelevant issue and Bennett's like weirdly bureaucratic inaction, like that's the race to me. Hey, I worked on something that 
went nowhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was very out. proud of the hard work I did with my colleagues on the other side of the aisle and we completely did nothing. Yeah. But I think it, even if like Bennett's not your fave, he's definitely yeah. probably your best bet here. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, Paul, are there any, uh, is there anything on the state ballot that you're watching? Um, the psilocybin one is interesting. Mm. What's going to happen there? Um, I think it's kind of uh, an interesting ballot measure, the way they wrote it with the decriminalization. And then also this like, this here's how we want to regulate it. Like here's our the path that we see this going forward, and like I don't know the way that the way that um, cannabis has worked out here, and all of these like interesting knock on effects and the equity concerns that have arisen, it just seems like psilocybin has like a lot more p- different communities that have a stake in this that all use it for all their own specific reasons, and I don't know if this this framework really recognizes and accommodates all that. Where like decriminalization alone as a next step makes more sense to me because it would allow everyone to keep doing what they're doing. So to be clear, decriminalization happened here in Denver Mm -hmm. for mushrooms. This is a statewide look, but it's not just decrim. It's like instituting ways that people can access it and sort of building structures around it that could potentially leave a lot of folks out who use this uh, as medicine culturally. I mean, Justine, how are you thinking about it? Uh, yeah, I was really interested in this because there were the two different ballot measures. Yeah. And so talking to people who, you know, use psychedelics uh, for medicine, a lot of them had brought up the issues with like with inequity. Right. If you have this framework that just comes like basically um, prepackaged instead of working at decriminalizing first and then working through the issues kind of like they did with marijuana. Yeah. Um, and so I've heard a lot of concerns about that. And so, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm like for I'm all for the decriminalization. But, yeah, how do we stop, you know, a lot of the inequities that happen with marijuana and not have the same issues arise when it comes to Because if to we're mushrooms. building like some capitalist structure around something like mushrooms, immediately we know who gets cut out of that, which is like healers and culanderas and and folks that administer this as medicine that have are not going to be pers- it's not going to be prescribed through a doc. You know what I mean? It's like you're right. We should start with decrim and move slowly from there. And to be fair, so we have a we have a series called Ballot Trip if you want to learn more about this particular proposition as well as the one that didn't make it onto the ballot. And the one that made it onto the ballot was like the outside funded uh, initiative. And the one that didn't make it on the ballot was like the grassroots. So that, I mean, I don't know, that tells you a little bit about where these initiatives came from. Yeah. And a lot of the grassroots people who worked on the one that didn't make it are coming out in opposition to yeah, this. Yeah, I think though. that's interesting. I think that says a lot. Yeah, I kind of expect this one to go down just because people aren't sure about what to do with the different aspects of it. But I think the real success is that the campaign behind it has led to a lot more people looking into this and reading yes. some of the recent research and realizing, oh, this is actually helping a lot of people. Yeah. Like, we should keep talking about it. Mushrooms are great. Yeah, I was like, I have. I mean, I have a family member who takes them for migraines and they haven't had migraines since they started over a year ago. So... I've seen it directly. It's time for the CityCast Denver official maybe for your weekend, as in maybe you'll see us there. Um, As usual, there's a ton of cool stuff happening in Denver, and we have opinions about it. 
So we have our editor of the Hey Denver newsletter here, Peyton Garcia, to walk through some ideas that she's pulled for us on things we could do this weekend, and then we'll decide where we might be. Peyton, welcome. Hey, guys. Hey, Peyton. Hey. Okay, so I brought four events today, uh, and let's start with this one. It's called My Body, My Voice. Have you guys heard of this event already? No. Okay, so it is getting put on by the Denver Women's Chorus, and they're actually doing it in partnership with the Colorado Organization for Latina Opportunity and Reproductive Rights. Yes, Colorado. Our friends, Colorado. And so what they're doing is they're putting on a number of concerts all weekend. Um, I think two of them are at a Presbyterian church here in Denver, and then there's some that are happening um, in Broomfield. But it is in support of bodily autonomy and reproductive rights. So the Women's Chorus is going to do a whole set featuring songs that are all about bravery and resilience and protest. Um, So it's just kind of a really cool thing. That's a perfect pre-election week event. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So um, the concerts are tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday at various times. Tickets are $25. Um, and if you don't want to go out to watch the concert, you can live stream it. I love it. That okay. sounds wonderful. I will not be attending that. I cannot do politics. No extra politics. I, <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> All right. We'll do we'll do something a little more fun for you, Paul. For me, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Probably if it involves hockey, we'll be there. <laughs> um, no, no hockey ones. But this one is called The Breakfast Fly-In. It's at Wings over the Rockies Air and Space Museum. Mm-hmm. And it's happening tomorrow morning. They do this every, I think they do it every month. Um, but I thought it sounded really fun. So they bring a food truck to the museum this month is um, a food truck called Cruise In and Eat. They do Mexican food. Um, And you can take the whole family and you get to eat breakfast and watch all the pilots fly their planes in. And then afterwards, you can go and explore the museum, which has a ton of really cool um, airplane exhibits and simulators and stuff. I've been thinking a lot about Wings Over the Rockies and how I've never been and that I think it's just a cool place and I I really want to check it out. Might be a good way to check out a museum in a new way. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. I thought okay. it'd be fun. Something kind Potential. of fun for the kids. And um, I think the weather's supposed to be pretty decent tomorrow tomorrow morning. So That little part of Lowry that they've redeveloped pretty recently. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful Montreal-style bagel place, wood grain bagels. <laughs> I'm sure I've talked about them on the show before, but it's I'm really sure. great. We should go down there. It is a cool space. Um, the Officers Club, or maybe it's Officers Lounge. It's a restaurant down there. Um, and they like cater especially to like... Um, Air Force vets and stuff. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. You guys should check them out. Um, and tickets range from one dollar to twelve dollars, oh, depending on if you're a vet or a child. Or and you get um, tickets are only one dollar if you have an EBT Snap card. Cool. Um, so yeah, next one is Broncos and Cars. So <laughs> happening tomorrow from eleven to two. If you stop by Empower Field, there will be a fancy car show. Um, so if you're really into cars, you could check that out. And there will also be Broncos memorabilia and swag being given away, including like autographed stuff. Hmm. Um, this interested me because I'd like to run into the Broncos and ask them why they hate us and why they're doing such a <laughs> terrible, terrible job. So Peyton would like to go to this event to accost the Broncos yes. <laughs> and maybe see some cool cars. Yeah. And there's going to be food trucks and swaggy boys. It's free. Um, you can RSVP. There, I'll have a link in the newsletter. But um, I don't know. You guys into fancy cars? I might check that out. Fancy it's right cars. my house. So. Justine, how are you feeling so far? W- where are you car? leaning? Well, I would always encourage people to support my sister's at Color. Yeah. So that's a great event. Anything with breakfast. So I'm all about <laughs> wings over the Rockies. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, fancy cars. 
like fancy like new cars or fancy actually, like classic cars? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we're talking race cars. I don't know if we're talking like Oldsmobiles. I have no idea. I don't know anything about cars. Well, it's free, so we could just yeah, yeah. see what we get. And I told you guys why I'm going there. And it's, <laughs> it's to find the Broncos. Yeah, I think the whole city has a bone to pick with the Broncos. Um, <laughs> or the state. I should say it's a state. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then this last one is Hijos del Sol. So the Latino Cultural Arts Center puts it on. Um, so they are kicking off their holiday market. It runs for, I think, four weekends. And this is going to be the first weekend they're doing it um, on Saturday. So tomorrow. And it's in Sun Valley. And the cool thing about this market is it spotlights local Latino vendors and artisans. And um, a percentage of those proceeds go right back to the LCAC. Um, so it's just a really cool thing to support. And all of the vendors that they pick there, they're like hand-selected um, to highlight like Latino and Chicano cultural traditions. Um, so it's just if you're ready to get your holiday shopping on, I think that that's a great place it's a to start. good kickstart. Um, I haven't been to their markets, but Ejo Still Soul is like, it's sort of, uh, it's an uh, it's a yearly, or it's a it's open all the time. Right. Okay, it's not open all the time. It, it's, it exists all the time, but you can go. It's like the precursor to the Latino Cultural Arts Center Museum, which they're in the process of building. Hmm. Um, it's sort of like a gift shop for a museum that doesn't exist oh, yet. Oh, cool. And they have amazing stuff like beautiful housewares beautiful art um you know per all kinds of things and i think that i maybe getting a jump start on your holiday oh, shopping cool. there you'll find stuff that you won't find anywhere else i love that yeah that makes it even cooler i'm definitely going after i'm done canvassing on saturday <laughs> yeah <laughs> my mom wants a no corporate christmas this year so she wants like thoughtful gifts so i thought I like that would be a good idea. place to go start my holiday shopping early okay yeah, I'm I think of, that one sounds good. I'm kind of in favor of that, the Ejos del Sol market. Yeah, I'm a big um, like market shopper kind of person, and I don't know, everything about it just sounds really fun. And there's a million to pick from that are very like capitalism focused, you know? Yeah. So it, it would just be cool to support this one. Hyper local. You had me a gift shop for a museum without the museum. <laughs> that just sounds great. <laughs> they That's have, my favorite um, part. They have photos. So again, I have this linked to and a ton of other weekend events in the in the newsletter today. But they have photos of like some of the stuff that they sell and what it looks like and it looks really cool. It's really hmm. cool. It's really cool. Seems like that's the one. Yeah, I think we should yeah. go with that one. Okay. Ding ding ding. Yay. <laughs> okay. Sounds Thanks, good. Peyton. Of course. Well, uh, Paul, Justine, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Go vote. If you haven't yet, please, for the love of God, vote. And you can't, oh, what can you do? You can't mail in. You have to drop them in a ballot box now, yeah. or you can go to your polling place. But just do it. And you can still register to vote in person on the day of and vote. And you can vote. So yep. you can go to a polling place, register, and vote that day. Colorado's okay. the best. I love it. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were Paul Caroli and Aaron O'Toole. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter. I'm Bree Davies, your host. Our music is by Los Mocochetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at CityCast Denver and tell the Christmas music lover in your life about us next time you see them. You can sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866 and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. Bye.